Psalm 115. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbre and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you, uh, Yasmin, very much indeed. Good to get back together under the word after a, a lovely lunch and a wonderful afternoon, whatever you were doing. If you uh, did come to the um, recreation field, there was an amazing hive of activity, wasn't there, going on in that field. There were several birthday parties going on. There were some little children with, with lots of things, I don't know what they were doing, but there were tiny little ones playing. There were some boys playing football. There was a cricket match going on with people in black as well as white, which is always a bit odd still for cricket, isn't it? And, uh, and then there was, uh, there was dog training on the, uh, these little uh, disobedient dogs that were running around. Um, and then there was baseball. Masterclass in uh, manual baseball skills are amazing. So thank you for allowing me to come and uh, join with you. What a wonderful uh, afternoon it's been. And it's good to, uh, to get back after enjoying that to, uh, to this note of praise. I thought it'd be good to end on an upbeat note. And as we've seen, the, you know, the Psalms are this diverse uh, in content and tone. There's joy and there's sorrow. There's anger and depression. There's thanksgiving and praise. There's uh, exhortation, there's penitence, there's, there's all sorts of things. Christopher Ash says that the Psalms are like a tapestry. I love that picture with all the various emotions woven into them, coming in one place and out of another. And, 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 and to use our picture language, the metaphor we've been using, it's, it's like a sort of Spotify playlist with all sorts of different kinds of music uh, filling one after another uh, and so on. But with all the diversity in the Psalms, um, praise is the resounding note that that runs through, through them all. Praise that keeps God in, his, in the centre, keeps God in his right place. And uh, as you, you probably know, the, the book of Psalms is actually five books uh, in the Psalms, five separate books it's divided into. And each one has its own feel, and, and, and yet each one of the books uh, ends on a note of praise. So um, why don't we just, uh, just to get our brains going and our fingers going in the... Uh, this morning, or this afternoon, after lunch and after playing uh, in the sun. Um, chapter 41, verse 13. So if you can turn to 41, verse 13. It is on page 567, if you like page numbers. 41, verse 16. That's the end of book one of the Psalms. Has anyone got that? 41, 13. Uh, why don't we read that uh, together? 41.13. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Wonderful. Let's turn on 72. Chapter 72, Psalm 72. 18 and 19. It's a race. Give us a shout at the page number if you get there first. Oh, I like a bit of competition. That's good. Okay. Uh, let's read um, verse 18 and 19 together if you're there. 72, verse 18. 
Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. Okay, that's the end of book two. Right, end of book three. Anyone know where that is? Which psalms ends book three? The competition. Five, no, we've got the page. Psalm 89. Very good. 599. Verse 52. Psalm 89. Verse 52. We're all there? Let's read that together. Verse 52. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and Amen. And the end of book four. Psalm 106. Very good. And it's page... 610. Excellent. And let's read uh, Psalm 106, verse 46 together. Uh, Sorry, 106, verse 48. Thank you. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so every book of the four books of the Psalms ends with this note of praise. And then the final book of the Psalms and all the Psalms end not just with a note of praise at the end of the last Psalm, but with a whole Psalm of praise. And in fact, with the last five Psalms are all Psalms of praise that begin and end with praise the Lord. Uh, So uh, one commentator links, if if there's any continuity between these psalms, or at least between the first and the last psalms. One commentator at least says, uh, Psalm 150 is the goal of Psalm 1. Human happiness is perfected in the praise of Yahweh. And he says perhaps that's the reason why the rabbis gave the title Praises to the whole psalm collection. So they're not all praising the Lord, but the whole collection, the rabbis said, these are praising God, this is the praises of God. And blessing... As we live under God's blessing in tune with God, it always leads to praise and to, to give God, giving God the, the glory. Uh, and that uh, our, our joy is found, our happiness, our joy, our blessing is found in, in, in giving God the glory. You know, the chief end of man is to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And if you know John Piper's work, you'll know he changes that a little bit, but he says the chief end of our human existence is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. As we find our joy in him, we give him glory and it leads to naturally to, to praise. And so um, uh, there's dark valleys along the way. Psalm 88 is, is a clearly a dark valley and we'll know and have experienced that, a song in a, a minor key. But it's not the main song uh, in the Christian life. And it's certainly not the eternal song, which will be a triumphant song of praise. And so um, uh, the, the first and last word of the last five uh, Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, 150 it's the same word and I don't know what you are like at languages uh, things don't always translate easily in, in languages um, I, I remember in, in Brazil I was in, the, in an old building one time with various flights of stairs up these, in this old sort of stone steps and there were lots of signs everywhere saying uh, please mind your stairs which I was, you know, it was rather enjoyable just seeing some of these translations um, <laughs> There's a, a car rental brochure came across in Tokyo, which uh, it translated to, uh, to English, probably through Google Translate. And it says, uh, when passenger of foot heave in sight, 
tootle the horn. Trumpet him melodiously at first, but if he still obstacles your passage, then tootle him with vigour. <laughs> oh, that's sweet, isn't it? It's quaint sort of translation. Hotel in Vienna says, uh, in case of fire, do your utmost to alarm the hotel porter. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've all seen those signs where we translate an attempt to translate uh, a word. And a lot of us struggle with languages. My attempt at learning Hebrew at theological college was rather uh, short-lived. But of course, we all know a bit of Hebrew. And we all know this one word which begins and ends uh, the last five psalms in, uh, in, in, um, uh, in, the, in the book of the psalms. And, uh, oh, here we are. We could probably get to them. Is this? There it is. That's the word. We all know that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise, let's praise, it's the uh, uh, form to, to encourage and exhort. Uh, Yah, abbreviation of Yahweh, hallelujah, Yah, praise the Lord, uh, praise the, the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it's this is wonderful world, isn't it? Which is why when we were singing that song that Andrew was banging out on the piano and we were singing hallelujah, and I, it's such a fantastic word, it's a word saying praise the Lord, but it fills our hearts, it should do. Uh, because it is such a, a wonderful word which begins and ends this psalm. And this psalm, in many ways, Psalm 150, it's, it's kind of straightforward, um, but it's worth just, just meditating on and, and for, for a few minutes together. And I'm going to do that by asking these, these four questions. I've, they're in there in that uh, uh, bit of paper, which uh, may or may not be helpful. But here we are. We're going to ask where, why, how and who uh, around praising the Lord. And uh, so that first question is, uh, where? Well, sing praise everywhere, verse 1. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise God in his sanctuary. Well, of course, that is where the people of God would have first used this song. They would have sung the song in the sanctuary, which, of course, was the, the temple. The, the temple in Jerusalem, where they gathered together for, for worship this earthly sanctuary, and they would have praised God in that temple, which was God's chosen place. Remember, Scripture, the Deuteronomy, as far back as Deuteronomy 12, I've been reading Deuteronomy Michael at times, and, and this morning was Deuteronomy 12, and um, God says there's a place, there's one place where you're to worship me, just the one, that when you go into the land, there'll be one place, and that place, of course, is going to be Jerusalem. And then he commands uh, Solomon to build the temple, and that becomes the place within the place, the temple within Jerusalem, uh, where the people of God are to worship. Praise God in his sanctuary. And uh, it's there that the people of God would have been singing this great psalm of praise. But of course we know that, we, that, that Jesus came to fulfil the, the sanctuary, to fulfil the, the teaching of the temple, to be that one place where uh, the people of God are to worship God. Uh, and he teaches now that true worship is not done in a physical space or a physical place, but in spirit and truth done through him as, as we come to Christ. Uh, he's the true sanctuary. He's the place we meet with God. He's the place that uh, we can come into God's presence and give him praise. And as we're in Christ, we then, of course, can praise him anywhere. Wherever Christ is, we are there. Christ is everywhere. Uh, and we're in Christ. We leads us to, to worship, to praise, uh, to give God praise in in. in uh, at home and, and, and out in the mountains and in the beauty of our gardens and in creation and together as God's people and wherever we go. So our worship, where should we worship? Well, we should worship in Christ. 
must be in Christ. There's no other kind of worship now. There's no other kind of praise outside of Christ. Uh, but it's not uh, limited to a place or a space. Uh, we worship in Christ everywhere. And it's not limited to human praise. For He continues, praise him in his mighty heavens. Now, God might be, it might be referring here to, to the angels created by God to, to serve him. It may be related to the, the sun, moon and stars that uh, the other nations would have worshipped, uh, that of course God had created. Uh, maybe it's shorthand for both, to praise him in his heavens. Uh, look, flip back over the page to Psalm 148, uh, where he makes that clear. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all the heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Uh, all of creation is designed for the glory of God, for the praise of God. Uh, when we join in, we're joining with all of creation. And uh, so praise God where? Well, praise God everywhere. Uh, the object of our worship is so great and wonderful that it requires all of earth and heaven to praise. And one commentator says this, he says, just as his glory fills the heaven and the earth, so his praises should also fill the heavens and the earth. Uh, so where should we sing praise? Well, let's sing praise to God everywhere. It's all of creation is designed for that as we come to, to Christ who leads us in praise because he is our, our, our worship leader as he, as he gives praise to the Father. Uh, second question. Um, so why? Why are we singing praise? Well, he gives two distinct reasons. Uh, why? Well, firstly, for all the Lord has done. Uh, praise him for his acts of power, he says in uh, verse 2. Um, what are his acts of power? Well, we spend all afternoon uh, talking about God's acts of power, uh, but it is it's quite hot. But if we, we see them all actually in these last of these first, so for Psalm 146, let's just have a look at some of these. So uh, his acts of surpassing power, 146 verse 6, we see Praise to, for God for his creation. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Uh, we praise God because of his creation. I mean, creation is an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, just, just think about this afternoon and, and that being in the park and watching people play and watching humanity doing things and, and the beauty of the sun shining and the, the joy of, of, of life in God's creation. It's an amazing thing. You stare up into the sky in a night sky, a clear night sky, and the longer you stare, the more you see. And, and it's a remarkable thing. God is good, and we should praise him for his creation, his mighty acts of power. And then his providence and provision, verse 7, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Uh, God is providing for his people he's providing for the world he's he's constantly sustaining the world and and uh, and providing good things and everything we have is a is a cause for thanksgiving everything we have uh, materially is a is a is a gift from him and we are to lead it to to praise him uh, and then of course uh, salvation verse seven he up uh, he, the lord sets prisoners free the lord gives sight to the blind the lord lifts up those who are bowed down. This is focusing on our, in a sense, on personal salvation, but it's hinting towards uh, God's great salvation. And if you read through the Psalms, the Exodus is always coming up in the Psalms. 
You know, God's delivering power, his, his mighty acts, his outstretched arm. Uh, God loves to, to save and we meditate on our salvation in Christ. It's a reason to, to give praise. And it continues uh, uh, through his judgment. The, verse 9, the Lord watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And we, of course, saw that in verse 1, that exclusion and destruction and condemnation that the, the wicked face. This is, a, this is part of his surpassing act of power. God will judge the world, and, and we should praise him for that because it's a sign of his justice, his holiness, that God is... Uh, mighty in his power. And he's a God who is establishing his kingdom. If we just flick back to Psalm 145, uh, again, here's the reason for praise. Verse 10, all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations now these are his acts of power god's establishing a kingdom his creation his uh, providence his provision his protection of his people his salvation his deliverance his kingship his sovereign rule over all things uh, we need to keep meditating on these things it's hard to do that on a hot uh, warm afternoon as we uh, have uh, and, and yet you know the old testament believers knew this and as new testament believers we know it more fully more richly and more wonderfully in Christ, as we see his, uh, his, his new creation, his, uh, his acts of power in defeating sin and death and Satan, uh, his forgiveness and deliverance into his eternal kingdom uh, in Christ. Uh, we live in the power of the cross and the resurrection. So, so we praise God for his acts of power. And we need to keep reflecting on them, meditating on them, not taking them for granted. You go in your garden, enjoy your garden, enjoy the beauty of the flowers. I tell you, one of the things, we, we've, we've inherited this garden where the, obviously uh, the previous Vicar John, who you knew, knew and Sarah, were obviously good gardeners. They knew what they were doing because uh, we've got this amazing garden that we have not a clue what to do with other than to enjoy and to sort of hack back a few bits every now and again. But, but we've got these roses and, and it's, it's one of those things, it's the scent of a rose. I, know, I cannot walk past a rose without just getting my nose in close. And some are obviously stronger than others. And, and this one and this pink one is just it's very faint. But if you go in close and you the scent of a rose is so beautiful. And every time I do that, I just got to remind myself, praise you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is, this is a little thing, but actually it's just a sign, another sign of, of, of God's surpassing power, his great acts of power and beauty and order in creation. So, so let's keep meditating on these things, in the word especially, but in creation too, uh, we, can, we can give uh, God praise. Uh, but the psalmist carries on. He doesn't say just praise the Lord for what he's done, uh, but he, he's also saying praise the Lord for, for who he is. So um, back in Psalm 150, uh, you know, praise him uh, for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness in God himself if he'd done nothing in creation, if he'd not created a, a, a thing God is worthy of praise of course we wouldn't be here to praise him if he hadn't created anything but in and of himself in, he is worthy of praise uh, in his infinite holiness and in his purity and in his 
omniscience and omnipotence, in his perfect justice, in his mercy and his loving kindness. Uh, God in, in Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit, an eternal relationship of, of infinite and eternal love. God is worthy of our praise. Now, praise him for his surpassing greatness. He's incomparable. Uh, there's no others like him. Uh, Moses says, Deuteronomy 3.24, I don't know if I put it up there. Yeah, O sovereign Lord, he says, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? He said, there is nothing comparable to the living God. And so anything else we might turn to, you know, anything else we might think about trusting in or praising in the same way that we praise God is, is always a tiny little inferior substitute to the great and awesome and living God. There's nothing comparable. I, I had the um, privilege now on a number of occasions to visit the, the Iguazu waterfalls in, in Brazil. I don't know, has anyone else been? Has anyone managed to get out to uh, that little border of Argentina and Paraguay and Brazil? I mean, they're in the middle of sort of nowhere, which is not... So they're the same sort of waterfalls as, the Ni- as Niagara and Victoria, but, but, but they're kind of in the, in the middle of nowhere, so no, no one very often goes there. But but I remember my first visit, and I'd heard about these waterfalls, how great they were, and, and, and we were sort of working our way through the, 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 the forest um, to, to get to this waterfall. And um, we saw this, this kind of first bit of water. And it was pretty, it was impressive. I mean, it was, it was, it was quite impressive. It was bigger than I'd, anything I'd seen in, in the UK. It was, it was quite a stream of water. It was, quite, it was high. And, and I thought, wow, that's, that's good. I was kind of thinking, it's not quite as good as people have said, but it is good. You know, I mean, this, is, this is pretty impressive. And then we sort of just turned the corner and we saw this massive, incredible uh, 62,000 cubic feet of water every second pouring off heights of 270 feet. Uh, this incredible size and power was beauty and, and, and it was overwhelming and, and was literally awe-inspiring and took your breath away and, and I thought oh, you know, that little, that little sprinkle of water which had looked impressive was suddenly engulfed, uh, I might have a picture actually I didn't know. oh I didn't put, the, didn't put my picture of Iguazu Falls in oh we'll have to google it because they are absolutely spectacular uh, and amazing but it's, uh, it was just a reminder that we can so easily take things which look quite cool, quite impressive, whether it's gadgets or sports or, uh, you know, things in life. And, and, and I'm so tempted to think this is everything. You know, this is incredible. This is wonderful. And, and then we put them into perspective and, and this incomparable God, this surpassing greatness that puts everything in its right perspective. And, and so we've got to keep turning back to him to give him glory and praise uh, as we see him above all in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we praise the Lord everywhere, on earth and in heaven. We praise the Lord for what he's done, for, for who he is. And then, uh, well, how are we to praise him? It's the next question I, I, I had on the, there. And uh, put his thing, praise to the Lord with, with everything. Now, here's the musician's favourite a uh, bit of the psalm, verse 3. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. If he'd, 
If he'd heard Andrew, this psalmist, he would have said, praise him on the piano, banging out without any notes, but being able to play that perfect tune. Um, This is a picture, isn't it, of energy and movement and noise and uh, wonderful celebration. And these are instruments for every occasion. The trumpet uh, would have been a sort of long curved horn that was used for blowing on important national occasions. We've had one of those recently, haven't we? Uh, you know, if you missed, you might have missed the Jubilee celebrations. But if you didn't, you, you'd have seen some really fantastic celebrations going on. And there was including some really formal ones with the services and those trumpets and, and so on. And that's what's, what's going on here. There's a sort of formal occasion, these trumpets. Um, and then there's the harp and lyre. Those are melodious string instruments, often accompanied by, by singing. They're apparently the most commonly mentioned in, instruments in the Old Testament. Uh, the harp, David used one to comfort Saul. Uh, it was used on social occasions, not just in the tabernacle. It was just a, a wonderful instrument, beautiful instruments for, for creating peace. Uh, I was having supper last night in, in the pretty uh, curry house with, um, with a lady who, who's been coming to our Bible study, and I discovered she'd been the All-Ireland harp champion when she was a, a teenager. And uh, uh, this beautiful sound, I'm sure she could, she could make. Well, this is sort of, probably wasn't quite an Irish harp, this one, but, um, you know, it's, it's sort of melodious instruments. And then there's, there's tambourine and dancing. I mean, what is that about? That is partying, isn't it? That was the street parties, not the, the formal occasions. That was the, the, uh, the music that came on, you know, as the street parties were coming to the end and, and young people stayed around and, and there was tambourines and dancing. Maybe not tambourines and dancing in, in Berrylands, I don't know. But uh, there may have been, it, it's that kind of natural, joyful celebration. And then you've got the strings and the pipes of, of verse 4. Uh, I gather from the commentators say there, they're kind of general words, generic terms for all stringed and, wood, uh, and, and wind instruments, kind of everyday uh, instruments, everyday music. Uh, so this praising in formal occasions, in, uh, in, in these sort of settings of, of beautiful music, of wild dancing, of, of, of everyday life. And then you've got the clashing and resounding cymbals. Well, maybe we need those every sort of 10 minutes this afternoon just to wake everyone up with, uh, with the sort of... Just to, uh, apparently, they're, they're more literally, it's the symbols of hearing and the symbols of shouting. I like the symbols of shouting. But um, I don't know, one might have been a bit quieter than the other. Uh, no one really knows. As a non-musician, I always think the symbols are just loud. And uh, I'm sure they're more sort of nuanced. But... Uh, uh, how are we to praise the Lord? Well, the big point here is we, we praise the Lord with everything. Well, these, here with musical instruments, with everything there is, wind instruments, string instruments, percussion and dancing in all the different social, formal, informal situations, it is praising the Lord. It is a natural outworking of our relationship with him for his goodness, for his greatness. And, you know, I, I, I guess it, it's, it's partly about when we come together. And I, most, I you know, appreciate that most of us are English and not Jewish. So there's a, there's a difference, there's cultural differences, aren't there, in, in how we worship God, how we praise him. Uh, some of us are more reserved by nature than others. Um, in Brazil, we lived in Brazil for a few years, and, and, uh, and there was an extraordinary vibrancy and, and life and, uh, and so on. And, and, and sometimes I come back to, to, came back to England, and we've, we were much more sort of quieter and a bit more reserved. And... and uh, to keep our hands down rather than up and say amen quietly rather than amen or you know hallelujah 
Hallelujah! You see, uh, you know, there's a, there, so we're culturally different. We're, we're all a bit different. I, I recognize that. And I'm aware that, of course, true New Testament worship is much more than music and singing. It is of all of life uh, lived out. That is our, 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 our worship, our act of, of, of worship, as, as Paul says in, in Romans 12. And, and I appreciate every individual is wired differently. We have our different tastes, our different preferences, our different desires. Our, uh, and, and I'm also aware that music is, you know, potentially emotional. Well, it is always emotional. It's potentially manipulative. Can be if we if we, music is used in a in a in a in a wrong kind of way. It can be used to mislead and manipulate. And yet, having said that, with all those caveats, you know, with all our knowledge of God and and so much more in in Jesus Christ, with all our knowledge of who He is and what He's done. You know, surely our praise should be jubilant and vibrant and loud and celebratory. You know, not hands in pockets, murmuring voices, you know, minds unengaged and thinking about what we're having for lunch or having for tea, but minds that are focused and engaged on the living God uh, with our hearts and our souls uh, wired to him, praising him and giving him glory. Uh, and I think that's the sort of thing we're getting here. And, and as you read through the Old Testament particularly, you, you, you get that feel. Um, I don't know if you've come across uh, John Wesley's instructions for singing. I expect some of you have. He, he gives some wonderful instructions for singing from, uh, in 1761. And it, and it doesn't actually say singing here, but I think, well, everything that's breath, praise the Lord, probably as we come to is, is, is about the singing part. The rest is about the musical instruments. But... but um, Here's some, here's some of the instructions for singing, which I'll, I'll put up. And I, I like these. These are, these are good. Here, this, this, this is, it starts with number three. The first two are basically saying, sing uh, my brother's songs and don't change the words. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, get the theology right uh, and, um, and, and uh, uh, make sure that you... Um, what was the other thing? I can't remember what the first one was. They, they, were, they were more sort of specific to uh, uh, Methodism. But uh, here's, here's number three. Uh, he says, sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a single degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up, and you will find it a blessing. You, know, you come to church. You, 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 get yourself to church to, to gather with other believers, and, and even when you don't feel like it, and that'll be a blessing. And then when you come to the, the music starts and you're, you're going to sing a hymn and you don't really feel like it and you kind of think, oh, I've got other things on my mind, you engage with it, sing it all, and it will be a blessing to you, says, says John Wesley. You know, get into it, get into it and, and sing it. And then he says, um, this, is, this is quite funny, he says, sing lustily and with good courage. That is, sing lustily, not lustfully. And it's easily confused, but it's a different word. Lustily is loud and together and, and connected. Okay, Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. You know, when you sing the football chants on the football terraces, or if you ever do that, uh, or, or wherever you might have sung in, in, in your past in other places or in a choir uh, with non-Christians, you know, sing out in church, sing like you, with, with greater vigor, he's saying. Uh, so that's, a, you know, get into it, get singing, praise the Lord, remember who he is and what he's done, and so you can join in, and, and I have to say, you guys do it brilliantly, love sitting at the front here, because I hear their voices all coming over us, and uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's the next one he says, because he wants to get the right balance as, as we praise God fully and with everything. So he says, uh, sing modestly. 
but some of us may need to hear this more than others. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation, that you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear, melodious sound. It's wonderful, isn't it? You know, because uh, we're singing together. We're God's people together. When we gather together, singing is, is a symbol of our unity in Christ. Jesus is leading us. He's the choir master. Uh, he's leading his people, but we sing together, which is why he wants the voices to, to be together. Um, and, and the same, the second one, this next one, he says the same, sing in time. Uh, you know, whatever time is to be sung, to be sure to keep with it. Don't run before nor stay behind it, but attend close to the leading voices and move therewith as exactly as you can and take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy and it is high time to drive it out from us and sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at first. <laughs> you know, he knows the tendency for us to slow down and to, to uh, I, I do, I re when I first went to Chesham, we had an amazing chap, he, he, uh, he was still playing the organ uh, well into his um, 80s, and he was, he was playing it slower, and so his son became the, the, the organist, and, but he was, he was you know, a godly and wonderful man, but I, I, occasionally when I'd got given to a, a wedding, and I'd see who was down to play the organ, and I'd think, oh no, it's uh, Alf. So we'll be going slower. That hymn will be sung slower and slower. There's only one occasion where we still had one verse to go and then he stopped. And then we <laughs> said, oh, it's one more verse. And uh, we all smiled. But, um, you know, here's, here's John Wesley. Uh, when we praise God, let's sing together. Let's sing in time. Let's, uh, let's give God the glory. And here's the, here's the most important, of course. And uh, this is his last instruction. Above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. It's a good reminder, isn't it? Because I, I, mean, I get carried away with tunes. I love tunes. And I, you know, I, I start listening to like 80s songs. And, and, I, and I, you know, if it's not careful, I mean, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Music's a gift from God and music can stir the soul. And as long as you keep turning your heart to God, that's fine. But, but sometimes I, you know, I'm listening to some pop song and I suddenly find myself getting carried away, sort of almost. And then I'm thinking, no, get your heart and mind. You know, that's okay. Music's good. But but when we're singing spiritual songs, it's about an eye to God. It's about having our minds and our hearts engaged so that we give him the glory for who he is and what he's done. It's why you know, the songs that we sing matter. Choosing the songs that we sing. You guys sing some fantastic uh, hymns and, and songs that uh, teach and, and uh, engage the mind as, as well as the heart. Um, so, so here we go. There's, there's, there's some, some fun but useful, I think, teaching from, from John Wesley that's not really there in the psalm, but, but is, is useful for how we think about praising uh, God. Uh, songs of praise for the Lord should be heard everywhere on earth and heaven. Uh, he's worthy of praise because of who he is and what he's done. So we meditate on who God is and, and what he's done so that it leads to praise. And there should be no holding back when we praise. He is to be praised with everything we are and everything we have. And so the last question then is, is well, who is to... Uh, sing the Lord's praise and verse 6 really sums that up he says let everything that has breath praise the Lord 
it takes us back to, to verse 1, that, that the heavens and the earth. And it's not just human praise, but everything that has breath. If you go and flick back over to 148, uh, you'll remember these. Uh, verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths. Uh, and then it's some inanimate objects, so there even can praise the Lord. Uh, then verse 10, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. I think that includes everybody here and, and others. That everything that has breath, uh, praise the Lord. So, so here's the challenge of Psalm 150. While you have breath in your body, that is, is everyone breathing? Can you just check? Yeah, still breathing, still breathing. Good. If anyone keels over, then, then you can stop praising. Okay? If you, if you die this afternoon, that's okay. You're, you're allowed to go and praise God in heaven. Uh, but while you have breath in your body, you are called to be a, a person of, of praise. It's what your life is designed for. It's why you're here at all. It's why we do all sorts of other things. But they're all designed for the glory of God, for us to praise him and give him glory. And you know, I don't know about you, sometimes I feel my, yeah, my, little, in, my little tiny speck of praise you know, for the magnificent, eternal, infinite God of the universe and the God of all things, the sovereign God, my feeble, insignificant bit of praise feels just feeble. But it seems to me that, that praise is the right attitude towards God, not so much for God... I mean, he, he doesn't need our praise. He's quite sufficient without our, our praise. He, he, the Father, Son, and Spirit existed for eternity before uh, they, they created and, and, and um, quite sufficient without our praise. Uh, what is this praise all about? Who is it for? Well, it's for us. It's, it's for you and for me. I think God gives it that we glorify God by enjoying him forever and we'll enjoy him forever which leads to his glory he is by his grace he has given us this gift of of praise it brings him pleasure for sure but 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 praise takes my eyes off me and it puts them onto god takes my eyes off my own life and turns them outwards onto god and the greatest problem we have as human beings is that our eyes are always on ourselves that's the essence of sin is to put our eyes on ourselves and 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 praise turns us outwards uh, I don't know, I, can, I sometimes get a bit overwhelmed with life sometimes the pressures of ministry can be hard the, the decisions that are constantly having to be made, the burdens that people carry and we try to carry along with, with others um, I felt a bit like that earlier this week sometimes I, when I come back from a time, time away and I'm not thinking about work or ministry and you come back in and suddenly the bus is moving and it's hard and there's some pressures on and, 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 and you can feel a bit overwhelmed and and it's been a really good exercise for me to turn to Psalm 115, some of these, these last psalms of praise, and then turn them into praise, to put on a, a, a Spotify playlist and to, to have some music and to, to sing God's praises, even, even on my own. You know, don't come around, don't stand outside my study uh, in the morning because you might hear an awful voice singing along to, uh, to, to some, a song, song of praise. Uh, but that, just that turning outwards... To praise it takes your eyes off yourself and it takes, off, takes your eyes off the, 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 the challenges and the, and the struggles and it puts them onto God. And he gives us this gift of praise for our good, for his glory, but for our good, because he is a gracious father 
Uh, and he, he puts our eyes on us onto, onto Jesus, who is the leader of our praise, who enables us to, to praise God. And so I've re- rediscovered, I keep wanting to rediscover that praise is, is one of God's blessings, a means of his grace. It's a helpful for soul prosperity, for fruitfulness, for, for blessing, is to praise. You know, one leads to the other, and then it leads, feeds back into it. When we're blessed by God, when we know who he is and what he's done for us, it leads us to praise. But as we praise him, it leads to further blessing as we go deeper into Christ. And so my prayer for, for myself is I want to be a man of praise. If you want to pray for me, pray that I would be a Christ-centered man who gives glory to God in my life. But that's my prayer for, for you and for you as a church. If your church is marked by praise because you're so captured by Christ and God's greatness and goodness in him. I want us to hear that psalmist uh, command, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, I want us to be Hebrew scholars, just in that one word. You don't have to be a Hebrew scholar in any other word uh, except for that one word, which we already know. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. May that shape us, mark us, uh, and make us distinct as we live lives of praise. Uh, just uh, anyway, this one quote from, from J.C. Ryle, which I, which I really liked, and we can... Uh, uh, meditate on that. Praise God more every day you live. Praise him more in private. Praise him more in public. Praise him more in your family. Praise him above all in your own heart. This is the way to be in tune for heaven. Because heaven is going to be full of the praise of Jesus seated on the throne. And we want to join him and be ready for that. Amen. Amen.